Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. Man, that is dramatically, exceptionally better than first service. Thank you for being here. Yeah, we should do like a competition, first service versus second service. I think that'd be pretty awesome, like tug of war, I don't know, something awesome like that. Maybe some inflatable jousting. Yeah? Okay, I like it. Hey, my name is Carrie, and uh, my wife and I, Megan, are the lead pastors here at the Movement Church. So if you're with us for the very first time, thanks for hanging out with us. Actually, if you're perhaps searching for a new church, we want to tell you the search is over. You found a great church, and we want to say welcome home, and uh, we're glad that you're with us. We really would love to be a part of God's plan for your life, and you came on an awesome Sunday. In fact, we are closing out a series called Hashtag Basic, when basic isn't bad. It's getting back to the basics of the gospel message that Jesus is what we need. He is everything. We've been exploring the book of Colossians. It's in the New Testament written by a guy named Paul. And man, there's some powerful, powerful components in this. So at the Movement Church, we kind of uh, try to take different approaches to the Word of God. We actually be the Bible is the Word of God. And that it's for us today and helps bring life and hope to where we're headed. And so sometimes we'll do topical sermons where we kind of take a topic and find out different passages of Scripture and how it applies to that, like relationships or discouragement or any kind of thing like that. And then sometimes we'll do a, a, a character study on a Bible character like Joseph or David. And, uh, and then a lot of times what we'll do is a book study where we'll explore a book of the Bible and try to go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, page by page, and just really, uh, to use a, a, a good word, extrapolate what God wants to say for you and for me through this series. And so that's what we're closing out now. And and the truth is, man, we could spend eight years in Colossians and never scratch the surface. So we're not getting to everything. We're just getting to the, the, the parts that we can right now. And so here's my challenge to you. The greatest series is waiting for you at home between Sundays. It's called Your Bible. <laughs> it's crazy. And uh, in fact, we just want this to be kind of like the excitement before a great week and the party celebrating an awesome week. And then you go home between Sundays and you get to read the scripture and see what God is saying specifically to you. And it's never been easier. In fact, uh, you don't even have to own a Bible. You just need a smartphone. And I pray for all of your sakes, you have a smartphone. And uh, you can download the app called Version. It's a Bible app. And it'll actually tell you scriptures to read if you don't know where to start. But you can start with the book of Colossians and just go, God, what do you want to do in my life? In fact, you don't need a preacher to have a great Life as a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit and he's with you always. So what would happen if we dove in between Sundays and allowed God to start crafting things? And I wonder what would happen to church services. It would be just an all out party. I mean, when you have Shamu on the wall, you need to party. Can I get an amen? And so, man, I want to challenge you. Make sure you're diving in. But before we dive into this series, I've got one announcement and it's pretty important. We have an event coming up on June 10th called the She Collective Launch Party. And oh yeah, it's going to be unbelievable. You can text the word she to the number on the screen right now. 
And uh, this will tell you kind of it, it, there's a cost involved. It's ten dollars. Uh, if you can't afford, you let me know. I'll buy your ticket. If you can afford a few extra tickets, buy a few. Let's make sure every woman who wants to be there can get there. Look at me in the eyes for just one moment. God is doing something uniquely miraculous at the Movement Church and specifically through the women here at this church. And uh, we don't just throw up an, an event so that you know we can kind of get the ladies there fill. No, no, no. We believe that God's doing something awesome. And so you don't want to miss this. You, you, don't, you may not know this, but people around the nation are watching what's happening at the Movement Church. And one of the biggest things they're watching is what's happening with the women. It's pretty awesome. And this is the launch. This is the start of something new. Get in in the beginning so you can look back down the road and say, I was there at the beginning when God started changing the spiritual fabric of Orange County, California, and our nation. And it was an amazing event. So get there. And guys, if you want to help, Come and help. We're going to serve. Uh, we don't, again, just kind of like let the ladies do their thing. No, no, we're going to serve and be a part of this. It's going to be unbelievable. Falsetto always makes it good. So sign up today. Come on, let's give it up for She Collective. It's going to be awesome. I want to read a scripture to you as we jump in today. If I was to title this sermon, I would title it maybe the conclusion. Uh, not the conclusion of the Bible, not the conclusion of our life, but just the conclusion of the series. There's just so much good stuff. It's hard to really know where to kind of end this thing. And so we're kind of piggybacking, dovetailing, tailgating on last week's service. So if you missed it, podcast it, you missed everything. Uh, And so you want to make sure you jump in. But let me read a passage of scripture to you uh, found in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 14. And then we'll jump in. Is Is that okay? Man, ooh, this is going to be good. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. So let's, uh, let's read Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 5. It's an interesting place to start. It's mid-sentence because we're closing out last week as well. It says this, And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. It's a powerful way to start a sermon series. I mean, a sermon, isn't it? That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. But you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. I love this. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear 
love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're here. We open our hearts and lives to you and what you would say and what you might do. God, we don't want to go home the same. We want to go home different and changed and expectant and ready and hope-filled and faith-filled and courage-filled to take on whatever life throws at us because that we know that if you are for us, then nothing can be against us. So God, do something real, awesome, and miraculous right here and right now. And everybody filled with faith said out loud, amen. Only three of you are filled with faith. Let's try that again. Everyone filled with faith said out loud. So good. So good. Well, let's dive into this thing and see what God wants to do or say to us. And it's interesting to start a sermon off with a, a, an actual sentence that says, and it's obviously insinuating we're kind of dovetailing on last week, but it starts off also a little bit strange and awkward when it says, and that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. This is exactly where we kind of closed out last week. In fact, this is a part of my sermon for last week. We just didn't ever get to it. God's saying, hey, Christian, Christ follower, stop living by your feelings. Stop following and doing everything that you simply want to do. Stop following after your own fancies and desires. This is what gets us into trouble. And listen, guys, our feelings will always follow our focus, which is what we closed out last week with, that if we'll just be focused on Jesus and who he's called us to become, we'll be headed in a great direction. In fact, that's some amazing homework for you today. I wonder what life would look like if you and I just started asking the question, Jesus, who have you called us to become? You see, so many times we say, hey, this is who I want to become. And now, Jesus, I will accessorize you into my life when I see fit. So that's why church and a relationship with God becomes merely an accessory. Like a a, a lady might change the color necklace or the jewelry she wears based upon the outfit she has. Gentlemen, some of you need to learn how to accessorize and some of you know how to. But we've gotten accustomed to accessorizing God to our way of life. And we said, okay, God, I'll invite you into this component. I'll give you an hour and 15 minutes at the movement church. But then once lunch is on, I'm in. I'm doing what I need to do. So we kind of punch in, punch out, and, and Paul's saying, no, 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 we, we've got to change that and start saying, Jesus, who have you called me to become? I wonder what way of life that we live might adjust. I wonder what promotions we might not take. I wonder what cars we might not purchase. I wonder what direction we might not go. If we were just simply saying, Jesus, where do you want me to go? That's a life of intentionality. But what's interesting is our feelings always follow our focus. The problem is often our focus is headed in the wrong direction. You know, it's interesting. um, There's a scientific research done now to show, in fact, a, a psych professor at the University of Illinois has found direct ties to our body movement and shaping the way that we think. The way that our body moves and interacts, it actually begins to shape the way that our mind 
thinks. Have you ever, anybody in here watch TED Talks? Raise your hand. Anybody? I knew there was some genius in the room. I could tell. I could tell. My people, we got some genius in here. There's a TED Talk where they talk about the importance of power stances, right? How you just raise your hands and you're like, ah, I'm confident. And you stand like Superman. Anybody ever seen that TED Talk, right? For me, when I'm having a rough Sunday, I'm feeling a little bit nervous. I go into theater for and I'm like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like Power Rangers. Go, go, power. It's a true story. I really do. Uh, don't judge me. You should try it, right? Some of you in this room have resting jerk face right now. Like you just look like this all the time. You should try smiling. Just turn the crease of your lips just up a little bit. In fact, you should just, just walk around with a smile on your face. It actually takes work. I could, some of you, let's stop. you need to smile right now. Everybody smile because I feel judged. And so I'm looking specifically at you, my sister. And so listen, you got you to gotta just turn the crease up. If you walk around life with just a smile, people look at you weird. Like what is happening? Isn't that sad? I mean, I love smiling. It's my favorite. And so I like to smile all the time. But try it, right? Because what sometimes it's really hard to be angry when you are smiling. It's really difficult to be super frustrated. You just feel foolish, don't you? Hey, listen, there's something to our body movement that begins to shape the way that our mind is thinking. It shapes the way that we're focusing. That's why we encourage you during worship to come in here and actually worship. Crazy. Hey, clap your hands. What's that doing? My body's moving. I'm actually kind of getting excited. I did not put deodorant on. This is not good. Okay, hands down. There we go. All right. It's funny that we sing songs. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. Thank God we have a merciful, true living God who loves me enough to send his son to die for me as a jacked up sinner. And then I'm going to come into church and do this. Or get here late so I don't have to. You don't have to act a specific way, but my God, do something. This is fine. You can snap your hands in your pockets if you feel embarrassed about it. This is even better. Oh, now we're cooking some. Uh. Y'all feeling that right there? No? That, please don't do that, actually. That would not be good. If you've never done something like that, I just dare you. Try it. It's, it'll just, you know, all of a sudden you're moving and you get excited about the words and, and they begin to be more than just something on a screen. It becomes something real, an anthem of your heart and worship becomes an expression of faith and church comes alive and it becomes a party to celebrate not the circumstances we face, but the God we serve. Your feelings follow focus. So stop Focusing on the garbage of life and start focusing on what Jesus wants to do. That's what he's saying. Stop chasing every fancy and going after whatever you want. Paul continues. He says, it's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. Pause, he says, but you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. So when it says that Jesus is a God's about to explode, he's saying, man, God's getting frustrated with people who say I'm a Christ follower, but don't live like it. You know better, right? Have you ever gotten pulled over for a ticket and you're angry at yourself because you knew you were guilty? Can I get a name? Anybody raise your hand. All the rest of you are probably lying. I got a ticket on January 1st. I rolled up to a, right, a red light and I paused and kept rolling. And that's biblical, isn't it? Nobody? No? There's a motorcycle cop right there. 
And I just pulled over and waited for him to come. Uh, and I was angry at myself. He was nice. And I got a ticket. And in the state of California, to give up your kidney and pay $87 billion in taxes. Has anybody else gotten a ticket in here? Gosh, I feel so judged. You're acting like, I've never gotten a ticket. This is strange. <laughs> Anyways, I was angry at myself. Because I knew better. I should have stopped. Guess what? I wouldn't be paying the fine. You ever been uh, frustrated with your child? Because they did something wrong and not because of the wrong thing they did, but because you've told them 50 times, don't do that. And you're just like, somebody in here got the Holy Ghost right now. And you're just like, you know better. What are you doing? That's what the scripture's saying. And we live that way. God said, come on, you know better. You know better. Do it differently. Listen, he, Paul continues on. He removes the ambiguity of what it is he's talking about here. He says, but you know better now, so make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirt talk, dirty talk, dirt talk. I don't know what that was. <laughs> dirty talk. He says, don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. And then he illustrates this with a wardrobe. He says, it's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. So Paul's saying, listen, stop living that way. Megan, would you come up here? I'm going to need your help real quickly. I want to illustrate this to you. Uh, He's saying, listen, get rid of shed, get rid of that old way of life. You don't have to live this way anymore. But the challenge is for you and for me... It's too easy to put back on the old way of life. Are y'all tracking with me today? That's why we have the scripture. We have the scripture because it illustrates, hey, there's going to be a time when you're struggling with this, so let me help you through it. So Paul's saying, take off that old way of life and put on the new way of life. I want to illustrate that to you with this amazing thing here and this amazing woman here. Can we do that today? Is that all right? It's interesting, isn't it? You use this mic and I'm going to turn this one off. Can you hear me now? Check one, two. Give it up for Megan. Come on. There's sometimes when we get a little frustrated at work and we start pushing towards promotion, right? We have this idea of something we want to accomplish and this, this promotion in the line of sight and we're going after it. And then all of a sudden we find out that that knucklehead coworker that we had, he schmoozed his way to the top and now he's got your job and you don't have it. And now I'm just irritated. I've been working here for five years work. I don't even want to do what I'm doing, but I've been doing it for that job. I used to like you, but now I don't. And I'm just irritable. And I put on this layer of clothing. It's like that old way of life. And now I used to like coming to work, but I don't like it anymore. I I get frustrated when I'm around the people that I'm around at the water cooler. I just want to punch people instead of being nice to people. In fact, I've already forgotten the sermon that pastor Kerry preached because I don't have this job promotion and I deserve this job promotion. I can't find the sleeve. There it is all as well. And so I went from being irritable to now I'm angry. I'm angry and I'm getting discouraged and frustrated at the job that I have. And so now I go home from work. And when I get home, the house is a little bit chaotic. Things aren't as clean as they should be. My kids are running around screaming. And now I'm just kind of mean. I'm a little bit angry. And I popped off when I should have said something a little nicer. But because of the irritation, because of the frustration, I yelled at my kids. And, oh, man, I didn't need to. But my wife, I was just a jerk to her. And I... I didn't need to be, but I was, or maybe it isn't a job promotion. Maybe it's finding yourself in the midst of a discouraging marriage when a spouse wasn't who they said they were going to be or a business that has failed or a dream that hasn't become a reality. 
And then I begin to clothe myself in irritation, which begins to shift to anger. And now I'm just being mean. I've forgotten how to smile. I've forgotten how to even be excited and to wake up the next morning and go to work, to wake up the next morning and be next to him or be next to her or to be, uh, wake up the next morning alone just praying for Mr. Right or Mrs. Right and yet at every turn I can't seem to find a guy or a girl who just loves Jesus and isn't weird. That preach, that'll preach. And so I was irritated and then I got angry and now I'm just being mean. And it's beginning to affect, and I'm slowly putting on that old way of life. And in that process, that irritation and that meanness and that anger begins to morph a little bit. And I'm, I'm discouraged now because this seems to be the M.O. It seems to be everything that I do. I mean, every time I turn around, this is my life. And I, I've tried to fix things. I've tried to change things. I've tried to mend things. But I'm just, man, I'm just discouraged. And you know what the challenge about discouragement is? That's where we're the most susceptible to what the enemy wants to do. We're vulnerable. And you know what? The enemy knows exactly what your weakness is. He's smart. He knows exactly that area of sin that you struggle with. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's that one specific website where you know exactly how to turn off all the measures on your internet so you can find that porn site that you've been on a hundred times before. And now, not only am I irritated and angry and discouraged, I'm walking right back into an area of sin that I've always struggled with. I've always struggled with. Fat guy in a little coat. Nobody? Yes? You're welcome. It's really hot up here. <laughs> Fat guy in a little... And now I'm walking in this area of sin. I need to pop the collar to make this lady behind me holler. There it is. Thank you. I literally am sweating. And I'm uncomfortable. And I'm actually frustrated. And when sin enters, I found that for most people, that's when they stop coming to church. Because shame follows sin. Shame's a big one. Shame uh, literally will, I'll start behaving differently. Uh, I, I, rec- I recluse, I, I kind of hide from everyone and I, I was on a team, but now I'm not serving anymore. And people are wondering where I'm at, and I don't want to act, talk to them because I'm embarrassed about my lifestyle. And I think the sleeve is stuck inside out. This is from first service, guys. Shame is the biggest uh, detractor from people experiencing who God is. Because shame is the thing that says God doesn't love me anymore. Help me out. It's so difficult. I definitely did not want the hood on, but now I have it on. I bought this for the mountains, and I've not been yet. I feel like I'm in the movie The Christmas Story right now. Shame and condemnation paint a picture and actually begin to shift my behavior, my faith. And then what's interesting about this is it actually encumbers me from doing what I'm meant to do. I want to hug my child. Look at what worship looks like. 
isn't that a picture of life? And we put these old wardrobe back on. And Paul's saying, you, you weren't created to live that way. In fact, this isn't even a wardrobe for you. Look at what Hebrews 1 and 2 says. It says, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily and cleverly clings to and entangles us. This feels entangled. This is a weight. And let us run with patient and steady endurance and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. It's going to be difficult to do what I'm called to do in this. In fact, it's going to be overwhelming. I'm going to be sweating and fatigued and I'm not going to be able to complete that race. The writer is saying, but looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith giving the first incentive of our belief and also its finisher, bringing to maturity and perfection. Like Pastor Jeremy said, leave that passage up right there. There's some translations say the author and perfecter, that God began it, he created us not to live with this wardrobe, but something different. And so if we'll focus on who he is, he'll begin to change the way we live because you were not designed to wear this clothing. That's what this whole book is about. So Paul's saying, take off and lay aside every encumbrance, everything that seems to keep you down. The challenge is sometimes you need some help. Sometimes you can't figure out what, how to actually take this thing and get rid of all this problem because I've been here so long and man, that'll preach too, won't it? That I'm not strong enough on my own to to even sometimes see the things that are encumbering me. Or maybe if you're like me, and and, and I think some some of you are, this has become the, the wardrobe that you've worn for so long, you don't know anything else. You thought shame was normal. And sometimes you need somebody that comes along and say, no, 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 you don't have to live that way. That's why we do connect groups. That's why we do church, not just because we want to gather on Sundays, but because sometimes we just need a a reminder that this wardrobe is not for us, that this is not the way that we were designed to live, and that Paul is saying that we can remove this encumbrance. I just wonder how many of us in this room are walking through life. Living that old way. Challenged by the the problems of the past. I think the mic is switched now. The writer's just saying, let's strip aside every encumbrance. I love how Paul continues. He says, you're done with that old way of life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off. And put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator. With his label on it. And all the old fashions are now obsolete. You know, leave that up for just a moment. You know, I don't know about you. Maybe many of you were born like Ricky Schroeder with a silver spoon. Come on. In your mouth. If y'all don't know what that is, get some Nick at night and Jesus, you'll be okay. 
I was not. Uh, the majority of growing up for me, especially in my teenage years, we were very, 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 very poor. And when I was 14, my dad says, if you want to wear anything besides hand-me-down, faded glory, Walmart, come on, somebody. Mm-hmm. If you know what that is, you're my people. <laughs> Old Navy painter jeans. You want to go to a movie, you need to get a job. And so I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> you remember the first time that you wore designer clothing? And maybe the, the fabric, it's like, man, this feels so good. The jeans actually fit the curves instead of accentuating the curves. <laughs> yes and amen. The shoes don't feel like they're falling apart. They actually are comfortable to wear. It's as if those designer clothes were made with you in mind. And the price tag is higher. It's the same thing that scripture is saying. That the wardrobe Christ has for you is made with you and mine, and the price tag was very high, but he's already paid it. So stop wearing that old way of life. It's obsolete. You don't need it anymore. I like how Jesus says another way in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart. And you will find rest, relief, and ease, refreshment, and recreation. And be blessed, quiet for your souls. Jesus is simply saying, guess what? I took your challenges and I made them mine. I took your struggles and I made them mine. I took your pain and I made it mine. You know that sin in your life? I took the consequence. So you come walk with me. Life won't be perfect, but I'll carry the brunt of the challenges. You don't have to hold on to the shame and the frustration. You don't have to let that paint the perspective of your life. Let me begin to shape it for you. That's what Jesus is saying to you and me, that's refreshing. He took my struggles and he made them his. He took my challenges and he made them his. That's what Jesus is saying. Lay off that old way of living. And Paul continues, just because sometimes we still segregate people and say, well, you're kind of a sinner. We're kind of righteous. You hang over there. We'll hang over here. But Paul comes back and he says words like Jewish and non-Jewish. Religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free, what? Mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. Paul is saying you are not disqualified because of your ethnicity. You are not disqualified because of your gender. You are not disqualified because of your past. You are not disqualified because of your heritage. No, no, no. Christ set the standard and he qualified you. That's pretty awesome. He's changed and shifted and molded a new wardrobe just for you and just for me. And then check out this. Paul says, thank God for the scripture. Thank God for the scripture. It always comes back and it shows us exactly how to live a fulfilled, full life. And Paul comes back and he says, so chosen, so chosen by God. 
for this new life of love. Look at this. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. So if you don't want to live in a life encumbered by the frustrations of our past, here's the new way to dress. Dress in this way. And he begins this list. He says, dress in the way that God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility. A significant, uh, listen, I, I think one of the important things to know is that a significant measure of our Christian life is found in simply how we treat people and the quality of our relationships with them. Jesus is saying, listen, the way you want to be dressed has everything to do with the reaction to people in our life. So here's the new way to live. Be filled with compassion. That word compassion, it means tender mercy. And the word picture here is like if you're working with somebody who's the victim of being burned on their, on their skin, if you were to work with them, you'd be very tender to touch. Very careful around them. And so often as Christians, and I, I hate to say this, but we've been known for what we stand against rather than known for what we stand for. And we put up a wall between people who are burn victims, if you will, that just need some tender mercy, some compassion from people who are not too far away from being burned themselves. He's saying, let that be the clothing that we wear. Compassion. He says kindness. And this word kindness, it, it literally is the, the idea or the picture that I value the needs of my neighbor as much as I value my own. I value the needs of my neighbor as much as I value. So in other words, what's affecting you affects me, which is interestingly enough, the same phrase that Jesus used when he told you and me to take his yoke upon him. My challenge has become his. And then he instructs us, what if we made those around us, our neighbors' challenges, ours? You're not alone in this thing. You got friends, you got family. He says humility. Be clothed in humility. And humility is the parent of meekness and self-control. It's the parent of meekness and self-control. Meekness simply shows how humility will affect my actions towards others. Will I dominate other people? Will I try to manipulate other people and coerce other people to do what I want them to do? Meekness is showing that, no, 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 I still value your needs as much as my own. And self-control shows how humility will affect my reactions to others. Will I become short and impatient, filled with resentment? Paul goes on and on to express and communicate the things that we need to be clothed in. He says, quiet strength and discipline. Be even-tempered and content with second place. And that's a challenge for us Americans. Be content with second place. Quick to forgive. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And this is a hard one. And yet in forgiveness is wrapped up the greatest expression of of love. And I think if sometimes we understood the way that Jesus forgives, it would inspire us to do the same. Jesus is patient in his forgiveness. Second Peter 3, 9 says that God is not slow as some would count it slowness, but he is patient, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to eternal life. Aren't you grateful for a God who's patient with you? I am. 
So many of you have done much better at living a great life. I've made so many foolish decisions and I'm so grateful for a God who is patient with me. But sometimes in our forgiveness, we're not quite as patient, are we? You need to get your stuff together. Get this fixed. I'm not going to forgive until you make the changes. But God is patient in his forgiveness. God also makes the first move in his forgiveness. In fact, his first step was many steps down the streets of Jerusalem with a cross on his shoulder headed towards Golgotha. That's a pretty big step towards all of humanity. He took the first step. So often we're waiting till somebody gets their stuff together or until they call, they better call me. Well, they haven't texted me in three weeks. And when they do. I love this. He forgives us knowing we'll be repeat offenders. I think about the power of that. Knowing that there will be another time and possibly another and probably another where I'll reject him and turn my back on him with my actions or my thoughts or my words. And he says, I still forgive you. This is the greatest expression that a Christ follower is clothed in the wardrobe that God created for me. It doesn't mean it's easy. And let me just tell you, forgiveness is not acceptance. Jesus never says, oh, it's okay. Live how you want to live. I'll still forgive you. No. So just because someone may have wronged you, it doesn't mean you're acknowledging that that is good behavior by forgiving them. It's just simply saying, I'm forgiving you as I have been forgiven. I love this. He forgives us and looks upon us as adopted sons and daughters. So many times when someone wrongs us, we want to boot them out of the family, boot them out of our community, boot them out of who we are. But Jesus said, hey, you're forgiven and you're my son or my daughter. He forgave and bore the penalty. And he forgives to restore. I love that. This, I was doing some research in the scripture about 15 years ago in a, a commentary called Matthew Henry's. It was written hundreds of years ago, and it's just full of just great wisdom. You know, the old school book is like this big. Now you can get it online. And I read just this phrase in there I'll never forget. And maybe because it rings true for me. But Matthew Henry said that we must remember that God is a God who forgives, forgets, receives, and restores. He forgives us. Of the things that we've committed against him. Forgets it and washes it away in grace and mercy that is new every morning. Receives us back into his family and restores us to a place of purpose and destiny. So you're never too far gone. It's not a license to sin. It's not a license to be foolish. Why would you want to live with this wardrobe anyways? You've been given new labels and new clothing custom made for you. So don't choose this. And one of the things has got to be forgiveness in our life. But Paul goes on and he kind of wraps up this little section of scripture with something that's so powerful. And he says, and regardless of what else you put on, what does it say? Wear love. Regardless of what else you put on, say it with me. Wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. All the other virtues we've talked about, kindness, humility, they all become self-serving if we have not love. 
Because I can show compassion as long as you're going to do for me what I want you to. I can be kind as long as you make sure I'm taken care of. I can forgive as long as I get what I want. But that is not love. The Beatles also would agree that all you need is? Oh, that time we were reading out loud. Okay, good. Justin Bieber, that great theologian, said, I can be broke, homeless, and starving as long as you love me. Y'all didn't know that one. It's okay. As long as you love me. All right. Paul said, if I have all the gifts of the Spirit and I can prophesy and see the future and pray for the sick and they'll be healed, pray for the dead and they'll be raised, but I have not love. I'm like a clanging cymbal. Jesus came in and he said, hey, let me sum up all of the law and the prophets in two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. This has got to be the wardrobe that we put on. I mean, you want to live that life because it's not burdened and encumbered. It's the fullness of who you were created to be. Above everything, wear love. You know, before we go any further, I want to talk to some of you in this room who may not be sure where you stand in your faith or what you believe about Jesus. And I just want to tell you right now that regardless of what you believe about him, I know what he believes about you. That he loves you, he's given you a purpose. In fact, he took everything in all of our lives and culminated to this moment just to let you know that. And you might be here saying, man, I want that new wardrobe. I don't want that old. I've had enough of that. But every time I come to church, every time I pray, I feel a gap. I feel this hindrance. I feel like a separation. And the Bible talks about that gap. It's called a sin gap. It separates us from God and all of us have it in our life. In fact, there's a consequence called death and an eternity in hell. But the Bible offers a radical solution. The gift of God. God sent Jesus to live a sinless life and die a sinner's death. He paid the cost, the ransom of our sin. And he closed the gap between us and God. And you don't have to get perfect. You don't have to be a member of a church to receive it. You just simply have to say yes. If you're here today, I want a new wardrobe for you. But you have to start somewhere. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you have never said yes to Jesus, right where you're seated, without any embarrassment, you're going to be given a chance to do that. Don't let this moment pass you. Look at me in the eyes. Some of you in this room have been running, sprinting, walking away from the destiny on your life. And today's the day to come back. And if that's you, I want you to pray with us. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here today and you've never prayed this prayer or today you need to come running back to Jesus, as I pray quietly in your own heart, just simply repeat after me. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me. I know that you've given me purpose. God, I have sin in my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. Would you forgive me? All across this room, if that's you, just make this statement your own. Say, Jesus... I give you my life in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at the 
And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.